Good morning. I'm going to start this morning by sharing with you one of the most powerful sounds in the world to Josh Donoff. It's a sound that sounds like this. Did you hear that? That's a really powerful sound for me. It's actually a powerful sound for some of you. I saw some of you reach for your phone. That's, that might be your sound. That's the sound of Josh getting a text message. I love that sound. It means, it, it means a lot to me. And, and I was thinking it'd be kind of fun, whatever, you know, maybe that's not your sound. Maybe your sound is, that's a pretty popular one, right? Or maybe it was something like this. You know, I, I thought it'd be kind of fun. This is my sound right here. I thought it'd be kind of fun to have, you know, like we could all come up and share what our text message sound is, but we just don't have time for that. Um, so the, that, that's, that's our sound. And the sounds do funny things to us. Do you remember that whole thing, Pavlov's dogs? That guy Pavlov that, that was a scientist or psychologist, and he had those dogs that he, before he fed them, he'd ring the bell. And then, you know, like, he, and then, you know, he trained them. And I forget what he, like, he was trying to prove that the dogs are hungry or something. I can't remember. No, it was like the power of association or cues, right? And, and so we're kind of like those dogs when we hear our sound. We're kind of like those dogs. Instead of salivating, for me personally, I actually kind of get rude when I hear that sound. Because I'll be sitting there talking with you or somebody else, and I'll be like, excuse me for one second. I, I just need to turn this off. And then do one of these. <laughs> you know, like, I'm uh, just turning it off. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, you got in a car accident. That's horrible. Blood everywhere? That's crazy. You know, like, but you just, you know, like, we, we, when we hear that, there's just something in us that's like, I, I got to see that. I, I, what, I wonder who it is. And, it, and maybe it's the same way for you. Uh, I think the reason why the sound is powerful to you and to me, whatever your sound is, uh, whatever my sound is, that sound is powerful because it's usually text messages are, are personal. You know, there's usually someone you know and know well. You usually don't get a text message from someone you don't like. I guess sometimes you do, but most of the time it's either family or friends. I think another reason why uh, when it comes to text messages, why we like them is, is they're very current, very relevant. You know, they have to do with like right now and today and tomorrow, maybe this week but it's, it has to do with now, so it's kind of relevant. But I think the biggest reason why that you and I like have to look when we hear that sound is because, honestly, like when I get a text message, I kind of feel special. Because, you know, like it means someone's thinking of me. Now, of course, I guess it could be, you know, not all of them are special. It could be your boss just checking in on you or you know, some random bank thing or Papa Murphy's. I get some from Papa Murphy's. I really like that one a lot. But like, I guess there's like random ones. But most of the time, you, you know, like when I hear this, I'm thinking to myself, like, hey, that could be a buddy. Maybe, maybe a buddy wants to go get a beer and watch a game or something like that. Or, you know, like if you get one, you might be your kids or it could be your, your husband, you know, saying, hey, I'm thinking of you or something like that. And you're like, oh, it's, I feel so special. He's thinking of me, which by the way, side note, dudes, if you don't utilize this thing called text, yeah, I, I'm just, 
you're sitting on a gold mine here. I just, it doesn't take much. Honestly, like if you're driving around and you see a restaurant or a park that you used to hang out at where your first date was, just snap a photo of it. You don't even have to say anything. The chicks are way smarter than us. They'll totally get it. They'll be like, oh, he's thinking of me. She'll, they'll feel special. I'm just telling you, if you don't do this, it doesn't take much. Doesn't, you don't need emojis. You don't need hashtags. You don't need anything like that. You, just a few words like, hey, baby, I'm thinking of you. Oh, he's thinking of me. I'm telling you, I got your back. Chicks love that crap. They just, they do. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, text. <laughs> Texts, they're, they're personal. The reason why we like texts and we have to, it's like we have to look, is it personal? They're relevant. And sometimes they make us feel special that somebody's thinking about us. Let me shift gears here, and this is what we're going to talk about today. What if God texted you? What if God sent you a text message? Would you read it? Would you open it? Would you pay attention? Would you want to know what it says? And what I'm about to say next is exactly what you would expect a pastor at a church during a sermon to say. I'm about to say that he already has texted you through this. Okay, So let's just get that out of the way. This is what I'm going to say today. And, and, and no, if you're, you're here and you want to, you're kind of pushing back on it, you're like, okay. Like, there's a big difference between a couple lines on my phone and this thing that I could anchor a boat with, right? Can we just call that out? I, I get that. If you're pushing back on me, you're thinking that in your head. The reason that I draw this conclusion between uh, a text message and the Bible is because something I, I believe that that the, that God can there's a way that God can speak and there's there's other people in the room that believe this as well that there's a way that God can speak through this thing called the Bible that is very very personal very relevant and has a, the ability to make it feel very special and unique to you and that's why I, I I'm drawing the conclusion and that's why we're going to talk about reading your Bibles today. See, we're in this series called Coming Home. And it's a series about how, we talked about the first week, how God has, has done everything He can through His Son, Jesus Christ, to be with us. He wants to be at home with us. So He sent His Son. And on, we talked about it the first week, that on the cross, Jesus, it's almost like Jesus died, and, and He said, okay, here, listen, I'm handing you a key. And that key is, is, can take off the shackles of your sin. And, and you can use that to you know, be free from sin. But it's, not, it's more than that. It's not just that you can believe in God. It's not that even that you can just be saved by God. Through Jesus and through, like, through this idea, we, we come to realize we can actually use this key to come home and be with God. That there's a way to do this thing called faith where we actually uh, connect with God. And that, the way that we do that and the way we're talking about it through coming home is we're doing it through prayer, through, through meditation, through giving, through service. That God has made, not only has God saved us, but He's given us access to Himself through what's called the spiritual disciplines. That we can, in a sense, be at home with God. We can have a relationship that's characterized by meals and living rooms and long conversations. We can be at home with God through things like prayer, 
through things like fasting. There, and in fact, uh, there's dozens of what you like through things like, like being in nature and connecting with him through nature. All of those, there's so many different ways that God has uh, given us to, to, to come home and be at home with him. But we talked about, what we talked about is we hold the key. He can't force us to be with him. Just like you can't force your adult child to come home and spend time with you as much as you'd like that. You can't force that. And, and same thing with us. He can't force us, but he's given us the key, and those keys are prayer and scripture, meditation, reflection, all of it. There's so many different ones, and so over these weeks we're talking about the different ones. So today we're going to talk about connecting with God, being at home with God through the Bible. Um, and my goal is really simple. I, it's a shameless plug. I want you to read your Bibles. My goal today, if, I, if I've done my job well, is that you go out, walk out of here uh, maybe a little bit more open or willing to read Scripture if you don't already. And if you do already read Scripture, that this would make it more meaningful, that would make your Scripture reading even a more meaningful experience. And here's the thing. I know what I'm up against. Because in, in my opinion, when, with conversations that I've had with folks, while I've, I've seen that people are really open to, to the idea of connecting with God through prayer, they're open with connecting with God in fellowship and church environment like this, like the, 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 and nature, seeing God through nature is a huge way that people love, I, you know, love being out in nature. While people are open to that, my, in my experience, a lot of people, when it comes to just opening that book, it just doesn't happen. It's one of the ones that is most difficult to get to. And I understand why. I understand that there's, there's a lot of things that come in the way. I mean, it's just even the sheer size of it is kind of intimidating. I mean, it, show of hands, how many of you have ever been intimidated by the idea of, of reading Scripture? Yeah, good. Thank, thanks for the honesty. Took a little bit, but that was good. That was good. And just the sheer size of it. Some, some of us aren't big readers. So the idea of opening a book and reading it, some of us, you know, like we're not sure it's all true. So should I, you know, like, should I read it? Can I read it? Um, some of it's, it's, it's hard. It's old. It's different than ever. We were talking about it in staff this week. It's different than any other thing we read. And so there's all of these layers, all of these good reasons why we don't read the Bible. And, and today I want to push back on those just a little bit because of this one simple idea of what if. What if God is... What if God can and wants to communicate through this thing called the Bible? And we have all of our excuses so we never get to it. Like... Like, what if, see, if it's true that God can speak, and not just speak, but speak in a way that I think is, is relevant, personal, and unique, and special, if, the, if that's true that God can and, and does do that through this word, don't we owe it to ourselves to give it a fair shake, to give it the old college try, and really, you know, like, like get past whatever? I mean, I would, I would say, don't you owe it to yourself that, that even if it's hard, to read the Bible, that, that, you know, heaven forbid we have to do anything hard in life. 
even if it's even if it's uh you know kind of old that's not a very good reason is it that's kind of shallow like just because it's old you're not going to read it It, it, even don't we owe it to yourselves that even if it was crammed down your throat when you were a kid and like there's just bad vibes that like if this is what if this is possibly god's word god's way of texting us wouldn't it be worth it to maybe move past that uh, wouldn't it be worth it? Don't 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 you owe yourself to even if you're not a reader to to pick it up. Even if even if you've had a teacher once, uh, a lot of us had this story like like a, a literature teacher, a science teacher that just ripped the Bible a new one for five minutes on a rant once, and it's like okay, and we haven't thought about it since. Don't we owe owe it to our adult self to maybe take a second look? Don't we owe it to yourself even? Even if, if you're not sure if all of it's true, don't we owe it yourself to at least read? I mean, let me, for a second, when, when do you ever not, or when has that ever been a criteria for what you read? I don't read the newspaper because I'm not sure all of it's true. But really? Wait, what? Or like, I, what do you just stay away from the internet? Because, you know, I don't know if it's true. Like, no, it's like, uh, all of us have Facebook friends that, that drive us crazy because they get their news source from like one place. And you're like, come on, broaden your perspective. I'm just trying to broaden your perspective. Read your Bibles. It, it, even if it's not true, even if you're not sure the whole thing's true, I think there's something in here that, that even if you don't believe in God, that this can be a very, very helpful book. There's a, a, a bunch of helpful things in life as well as some beautiful, beautiful literature and, and some of the most amazing stories ever written in it. Don't we owe it to ourselves to at least try? Just in case, what if, ding, ding, God is texting us? That's why I want us to read our Bibles. So the way that, that we're going to get there today is, is we're going to, look at a, a passage of scripture here in about 10 minutes. But before that, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to have a, a conversation about what the Bible is and what it isn't, and then also what the Bible does. Can we do that? You guys ready for this? I'm ex- actually really excited for this. This is some interesting stuff. The Bible is a really interesting book. First off, what it is, it's not actually a book. Um, we call it a book, but the, in reality, it's more like a library or an anthology. It's, it's a compilation of 66 ancient documents written over the course of about 1,500 years by 40 different authors. Uh, it has 40 different authors. is written from about 1,400 B.C. to 100 A.D. It was the span of time that the Bible was written and then compiled. And it was written, uh, it's about 66 different documents, ancient documents. So to say that the Bible is a book is not exactly true. It's more like an anthology or a library of books. It's broken up into two sections. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now what we as Christians call the Old Testament, Jew, Jews call the Torah or the Tanakh. And that's the, the, the Jewish scriptures. Um, It was written in Hebrew. The Old Testament is written in ancient Hebrew with a small section of it that was written in Aramaic. And um, it it picks up, the book of Genesis starts with the creation of the world, and then it kind of walks 
uh, it walks through time until about 400 BC is where it, it picks up it events throughout that. The main character of the Old Testament is really this, this nation called Israel. It's this nation that God chose early on saying, you're going to be my nation. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to bless the world through you. So everything in the Bible is, in the Old Testament is kind of to- told through the lens of the, uh, the nation of Israel. And in that, you, you have all sorts of different historical um, um, things happening that are recorded. Um, and that's, that's, so that's the Old, Old Testament. The New Testament was written in what's called Koine Greek. And it was written in the uh, mid-century, mid-first century. The main character, if the Old Testament's main character was the, the nation of Israel, the main character of the New Testament was Jesus of Nazareth who claimed to be the Christ or the Messiah um, of, of, that was foretold of in the Old Testament. Uh, he was probably born about 4 B.C., and when he died, he was probably about 33 years old, just to give you an idea. Jesus came and talked about a new covenant. And that's where actually we get the word New Testament. The word testament means covenant. So you have the old covenant and the new covenant. And Jesus was very emphatic, like, listen, the, I, I didn't come to abolish the law. God had made covenants with people all throughout time through Abraham, Isaac, David, Moses. And, and Jesus is saying, there's another covenant. I, I'm a new covenant. There's a new covenant in me. I didn't come to get rid or abolish the old. I came to fulfill the old, and that's why we call it the New Testament. Now, there's good reason to believe that that all of the books in the New Testament were written before 100 A.D. The last one that was probably written was uh, the uh, Revelation by the Apostle John, probably 95, 96 A.D. I know this is dry, but stick with me. If this is like like kids, if you're like, I'm, why am I in school right now? I, I feel it. Just stick with me. This is it's going somewhere. Um, So there was, uh, but most of the books, the vast majority of the New Testament books were probably written before 70 AD because in 70 AD, something momentous happened. The Jewish temple was destroyed by a guy named Titus. That's the name of my son, actually. So it's like wrecking ball, you know. Um, He actually, his army leveled the Jewish temple, which would have been something so ridiculously uh, huge to both Jews and Jewish Christians, they would have talked about it. And there's no mention of it in Scripture. There's no mention of it in the New Testament. So um, the, this is probably written before uh, uh, 70 AD. Okay, so you, you catch the span of time. You catch how many different authors. You catch how this is kind of a unique book. Another thing that's unique about it is there's many different genres of the Bible. You've got, uh, in the Old Testament, you have the law or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, and that's, uh, you'll get the, the Ten Commandments and all that, about Moses and that kind of stuff. You have poetry in the Old Testament. You've got um, the Psalms. You've got a love letter. You've got wisdom literature. You've got prophecy. You've got God coming and saying, this is what's going to happen if, if you don't shape up through, through prophets. 
That's a big portion of the Old Testament especially. And then you also have like prose or narrative, like historical accounts. And this is, where, this is what's kind of interesting about the Bible. See, again, the focus of the prose in, in the Old Testament is the nation of Israel and their history, but they interact with a whole bunch of civilizations like Egypt and Assyria and Babylon, the Medes, the Persians. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, they mention pharaohs, they mention Xerxes, Darius, Nebuchadnezzar, the Queen of Sheba. So it's just kind of walking through time mentioning these people. And you get to the New Testament, and they mention Caesars and Herods and other local uh, rulers that, that are, you can find in other extra-biblical sources. And then um, in, the, in some of the interesting uh, uh, um, genres of the New Testament is you have the Gospels, the story, the Acts, the, the, the life of Jesus Christ told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, eyewitnesses to, to his life and death and resurrection. Uh, and another thing that, that kind of happens in the New Testament that's a new genre is, is letters. You got guys like Paul and Peter and James and John that were just writing to their friends. They, they didn't know they were writing the Bible at the time probably. They were just trying to encourage some friends of how to live and, and how to be a Christian in this world, in this Roman Empire and all these different things. And that ended up in Scripture. So that's, that's kind of what it is. Here's, here's another aspect of, of um, the Bible that, that's good to know. Because if you've ever wondered, okay, yeah, so it's written by all these people over time. How do I know that what I'm reading is, has any semblance to what was actually written? That's a great question. There's, um, as far as ancient documents go, there's over 5,000 different documents for the, just the New Testament alone. And these are documents that are anything from a little shred of the Gospel of John that's dated back to about 125 AD to something that's called Codex Sinaiticus. Yes, I said it right, so I sound smart. I was practicing that. It's this codex that literally has all of the New Testament in it and half of the Old Testament. Just this one, this one manuscript of the 5,000 that there is has all of the New Testament and half of the Old Testament. It's fascinating that that, that still exists. It's from the 4th century A.D. Um, and so you've got all of, these, all of these different documents making the New Testament the best preserved ancient document of all time far and away, like, like Homer's Odyssey and, and Plato and, and those things, they have a fraction of the, the, the manuscripts that the New Testament has. Have you ever wondered how, uh, about translations and how, like, how do we know that this is, like, a good translation or, like, you know, the whole telephone game, like, if I tell you this story and then you tell this person by the time that it's ending it's about monkeys and elephants and it started off as like science or you know literature or something you know what i mean if you, if you ever wondered that the, the translations that you hold in your hands today um are, are a result of uh, basically translations came about because they're written the bible is written in hebrew and greek and so they had to be translated into to English just like Les Miserables was written in French and needed to be translated or, or Homer's Odyssey needed to be translated from you know, some sort of ancient Greek into... And, and you get multiple translations because you have multiple people translating them. 
The first guy to translate the Bible into English was a guy named William Tyndale in 1526. And he got in so much trouble for it that it actually ended up getting him killed. Because he held so, he, he thought it was, he, he thought people should be able to listen to God speak through his word in the language that they know. And at the time, the Bible was in Latin. It was called the Latin Vulgate. And, and the church did not want it translate, translated into anything else. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it anyway because the, the plowboy should be able to, to, to read just as well as you are the bishop of the church. And he, he actually got killed because of that. Uh, the next major English translation is the King James Version. How many of you grew up reading the King James Version? Yeah, quite a few of us. The, if, if you ever wondered, you know, as you're reading it, you kind of wrestled with it, because you're like, I feel like I'm reading Shakespeare. The reason is, is because sh- it was actually translated when Shakespeare was alive in the early 1600s. And um, so that's where the King James Version comes from. But the Bible that we hold in our hands today, that the Bible, if you have a modern translation, it, that's a result of a bunch of scholarship and textual criticism men and women looking at these 5,000 documents and thousands of, of Hebrew documents to, to come together with a, with a single document that they would translate from Hebrew and Greek into English. And so it's very, in, in a way that's very, you have different translations because sometimes people want to translate it more literally. And then there's some people that say, no, I want this to be better understood. So some of them are more readable than others, but that's why you have different translations. Now, so those are some of the nuts and bolts. That's, that's the end of the bell, the bell should ring and school can be done because that's, I'm, I'm done. That's, I want to yeah, go ahead and stretch. It's good. Um, that's the nuts and bolts of what the Bible is and what it isn't. Let's talk about what the Bible does. I think this is where it gets interesting. The primary purpose of the Bible, and this is so important to recognize, when you open the Bible, the the, the purpose for the Bible is to tell who God is and what he has done to be with us throughout history. It's a single like narrative that runs throughout the whole thing. It's, it's, it's who God is. The primary purpose of Deuteronomy and Isaiah and the Psalms, and no matter where you're reading Genesis, New Testament, Paul, Paul's letters, the primary purpose of the Bible is to tell who God is and what he's done to be with us throughout history. Do you guys want to play the violin too? Man, it sounds like so much fun. So the reason that this is important is because once you realize that that's the main purpose, when you go to read Deuteronomy, it can seem awfully rando, awfully quickly. Like, like what is this about? And the, the reason, like, it's hard to understand if you don't understand this is what God was doing in order to be with his people. He's giving them a law so that he could be with them. And you open the Psalms or you open, and no matter where you are, you're pulling out a page in, in, in this, this uh, tapestry of God's story, which it's just amazing if you think about it. If God really, like if the primary purpose is for God to make himself known and who he is, don't you think he would have written the book himself? 
You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've thought about this before. If he really wanted to do it right, he probably, you know, like, why didn't he do it himself? But this is just what our God does. He likes to use us. And so the, the, through the penmanship of all of these 40 different authors, he's able to tell, and this is what's so cool. It's amazing that it works. It's amazing we even have it. It's amazing that that makes even any sense. 40 authors over 1,500 years telling this story. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, 40 different authors over all of these different years, and half of them probably didn't even know they were writing Scripture at the time. Moses is just, he probably, he knew he was writing something something important down, you know, God's law and the story of Israel. David, David, he probably had no clue. He was just doing what songwriters do. They write songs. And and then, uh, uh, you know, a hundred years after he died, somebody compiled those and made the book of Psalms. And into like a hymnal. Solomon had a knack, his son, David's son, Solomon had a knack for quippy sayings, wisdom sayings. He was also good at wooing women. And that somehow ended up in the Bible. You know, Daniel was just writing down some crazy dreams he had. Luke was a doctor investigating this Jesus of Nazareth guy. And he ends up writing two different books in the New Testament. Paul, Paul was just a good pen pal. He was just like committed to his friends. He's in jail. He wants them to be encouraged. I'm okay. He had no, I guarantee he had no clue that it would end up being the word of God and that God would be able to speak and tell, tell us about him. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty cool how it can all come together. And, and I, thought of this, I thought of this this week. It's almost like the Bible with all of its different parts is this beautiful, you know those mosaic paintings or pictures it's like a thousand or a hundred different little pictures that make one big one that's what the bible is it's all of these little literature and poetry and history and apocryphal or uh, um, uh, what is it? Uh, apocalyptic writings and like all of this crazy stuff and if you look at it by itself and this is where we get confused when we open the bible it's like what is this if you look at just that if you don't zoom out and see the whole picture that what you it's showing you is this awesome god who's wanted to be with you and me from the very beginning if once you recognize this this mosaic and see every time you open scripture it's like filling in a little piece of the picture and a little bit over here and over time you start to get this beautiful picture of who God is that's what the Bible does primarily is it tells us who God is and what he's done to be with us but here's the second thing it does that the Bible does and this is where it's really applicable for today the second if, if the Bible tells God's story the second thing that it does is it informs our story. Again, going back to that mosaic thing, every time that we read the Bible and we fill in that that picture and God comes to life a little bit more, because we are made in God's image, as we fill in his picture, we fill in our picture as well. See, Christians believe that we were created in the image of God that we were created to be with him. So when, uh, the more we learn about him, the more we learn about ourselves. I use this analogy a lot, but it's kind of like a glove meeting the hand. Without the hand, the glove doesn't make much sense, right? All the stitches and the 
different appendages and stuff like that. But then when it meets the hand, when the hand is in the glove, the glove comes to life and its meaning makes sense. It's kind of like that with the Bible. When we read Scripture, not only do we understand God more, but all of a sudden life starts to make sense. And, because, and, and, and I think it's so cool that God made it that way. It's not just all about Him. It is all about Him, and it should be. But he, when we open Scripture, He also informs us about us. Why? Because He cares about us. He wants us to come home. He wants us to feel at home with Him. He wants us, we are, that we are meant to belong with Him. So when we learn more about Him, we become more like Him and we become what we're supposed to be. Isn't that cool? And I thought about this. It's like, when, so when you open the Bible, wouldn't you know it? When you open the Bible, you find all sorts of instruction on money, on relationships, priorities, sex, forgiveness, depression, wealth, poverty, loss, direction, dating, marriage, parenting, the past, the present, the future, worrying, bosses, servants, jobs, taxes. I could go on and on. You, you know, like, like sometimes we get frustrated. Like, God, why won't you talk? You know, like, why won't you let me know? Or we pray to God, like, I, I just need to know the answer. And I feel like a lot of times God's like, I already gave you that answer. I've already talked about that. You, you want to know what to do? Like you, like you want to forgive, you know, like if you know, if you're asking, should I forgive somebody? I made that pretty clear. Since I've forgiven you, I want you to forgive them. And what do I do about money? What do I do about the, should I move in? Should I not? I feel like God's like, yeah, I, I've already spoken pretty completely on a lot of different issues in life. And if this surprises you, you need to read your Bibles more. Because when we open it up and we start filling in our mosaic of who God is, there's a, He has a way in, in, in what it, who He is in His way of life. He has a way of informing us, challenging us, correcting us, preserving us, and enriching our lives through Scripture. That's why every time we open it and we listen to it, it's kind of like coming home. Every time, the more we open it, the more we listen to it, the more we hear him speak. So what does the Bible do? It tells us God's story. And if we listen to it, it has the power to inform our own. So power, this is so powerful that David wrote in Psalm 119. He wrote this, and some of you are familiar with this talking about God's Word and, and, and that kind of thing, he said, Oh, how I love your law. And to which we say, No, you don't. Nobody likes rules, David. Quit kissing up. Come on. Like, he says, Oh, how I love my, your law. No, no, seriously. He's like, I love your law. I really, I love this text message from God. And see, for David, when he spoke of, when he said the law, what he was talking about was probably, this, he, he didn't even have this. He, this is a thousand, he didn't have Jesus, he didn't have the New Testament. This is a thousand years before Jesus was even born. And he's like, all he probably had was five to maybe seven Bible, the first five to seven books of the Bible. Not the real page turners, Okay. Not the real one, like the ones that you and I run to when we need, you know, like what does God's word have to say? We usually don't start there. That's all David had. And there was something about it 
And he said, man, I love your law. And he says, I meditate on it all day long. I meditate on it day and night. And it's, it's not like he had nothing to do. He was the king. Like it was, you know, he, he, it's not like he needed a hobby. He's like, I, there's something, he's saying, there's just something about God's law that sticks with me. You ever have a song stuck in your head? It's kind of like that. He's like, I just kind of think about it all day long, which kind of made me think this week, like, what do I think about all day long? What do I meditate on? What do you, what do you think about all day long? Can we agree that what we think about all day long has a tendency to inform what we do all day long? David says, I, I, I meditate on it day and night. He goes on to say, verse 98, your commandments are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Well, that's pretty cool. Wouldn't it be great to, to be wiser than the people who are against you, to be a step or two ahead? How does that work? That's simple. When we, get, when we understand God's law, we start to understand his way of life and we start to understand how life works. You know the difference between like smart and, and being wise? See, wise is like being able to see between the lines. This is what life means. This is what life's about. He's like, when I, when I, when I, your commandments are always with me and because of that, I have this wisdom. I have this way of looking at the world that, that keeps me a couple steps ahead of the people that, that, that are against me. That's, that's what happens. Let's see what else it does for him. He's, he loves his law. I love your law, Lord, because I have more insight. This is verse 99. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Have you ever had, have you ever had here's what an insight is. Have you ever been thinking to yourself, why do I keep doing these things? Or why does this keep happening to me in life? Have you ever, have you ever been there? And then have you ever had somebody come in and be like, connect the dots for you? Well, let's see. It's because this and this and this. And you're like, oh, I thought those were separate things. And insight says, no, 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 no. This thing about debt or sex or whatever, like those are all connected and David is saying, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to have a little bit more insight in our lives to be able to connect those things earlier on so we don't keep doing them? David says this, I have more insight than all of my teachers because I meditate on your statutes. He's like, teachers, who needs them? What do they know? I, I have more insight than the people who are further along in life than me because I, I meditate on your statutes. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders, for I, I obey your precepts. I, in other words, he's saying, because of it, I, why I love your law, God, why I love your way of life, is because I, I'm wise beyond my years, because I obey them, because I've done what, what you've told me to do. Verse 102, I have not departed, it might not have this one. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. This is, this is where I want to land for today. This is, these next few verses are so good. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. In fact, just say that with me. You yourself have taught me. You yourself have taught me. 
This is such a cool thing about the Scripture. And this is a common experience that I've heard dozens of times. Is when we take the time to open up the Word, eventually what happens is there's a time, there comes a time where you sit down and you almost put the Bible down because it's like, oh my goodness. It was like this was written straight to me. It was like, what, what did he just say? You yourself have taught me, God. Through your word. Through this thing. Catch it. It's thousands of years old. The people who wrote it, they didn't care about you. They did not have you in mind. And yet God somehow through it is able to speak specifically in a very personal, very relevant, and very special and unique way. If you've ever experienced that, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? To have those 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 words just leap out of the page i've gotten to walk with a, a few people that that have come to faith and it's fun to watch them pray for the first time it's fun to watch them get baptized it's fun to watch them go to church and you know like and have it be new and all this but one of my favorite things is is and this usually happens when they start reading the word they're like oh my gosh josh you will not believe it was like god it was speaking to me through this directly. It was like he text messaged me. How sweet, this is 103, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sweet this is, David said, this relationship I have with you, Lord, because of your word. There's something about it that when I open up, my, open up your word, life, it, it makes life sweet. That's why I love your law. That's why he's able to make this ridiculous statement. I love your law. It makes life sweet. The last verse, this is verse 105. By the way, this is like the longest chapter, uh, book in the, no, chapter in the whole entire Bible. It's hundred, like, I don't know how long it is. We're at 105. What, you know what he's been doing for the last hundred verses? Doing this. Talking about God's laws and precepts and commands and how, what it does for him. He says this, your word is a lamp for, say this word with me, my feet and a light on my path. David, that's kind of selfish. I mean, that, that God's word, you know, didn't you hear Josh's sermon? God's word's about him. You know, is it you know, everything about you? He's like, no, but there are times when I read God's word and it's like a light to my path, a light, a lamp to my feet. It was like those words were written to me. If you've never experienced this, if you've never experienced God's word coming to life like this, I beg you, I plead with you, give it a chance. Give it a try. You're missing out if, if, if you're new to faith, if you're new to Bible study, if, if you've gone to church on and off your whole life, but you've never experienced this, I, 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 want, I, I beg you, go to God's Word and ask, what does it say? What does it mean? And, and what should I do about it? And just watch God speak through it. If you're here today, and you call yourself a Bible reader, or a Christ follower, or a church goer. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, like the whole thing, like you're excited about stuff. And you read your Bible. If that's you today, I, I want you, don't 
pause for a second. Please do this with me. I want you to rack your brain and think about the last time that the words leapt off the page for you. I want you, I'm serious. Think about this. If you've been a Christian for like forever, please ask yourself, when was the last time that God text messaged me through his word, that I opened up his word? I'm not talking about reading his word because we can actually get like, we get so smart, like I know exactly what this means, the Greek and the Hebrew and stuff like that. We can get like, and and we know it's like this intellectual exercise, but when was the last time that you opened up scripture and it, it challenged you to do something? in light of what you read, and you went and did it. And, and maybe it was hard, and you're like, Lord, this is difficult, but give me courage. When's the last time that the, that the Word of God spoke to you like that? And if it's been a while, you need to change it up. You need, you need to do something different. Because He's speaking. The question is, are we reading? Are we listening? Here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do in the coming days, and if you want to do this for a month, this would be a great thing to do, especially if you're new to Bible study. All you need to remember is the book Proverbs and Matthew. In fact, just say that with me. Proverbs and Matthew. Proverbs and Matthew. Those two books, if you take a a chapter a day out of those books and read those, read a chapter of Proverbs and a chapter of Matthew, there's about a month's worth of each. So you just, one one of each every day. The reason I, I, I suggest these books, and by the way, I'm looking at, there's some Bibles in the back. If you don't have a modern translation or you're not quite sure of the translation or where your Bible is, please take one of ours. Uh, don't leave today without a good Bible. Um, but uh, Proverbs is a great place to start. Even if you don't, you're not sure you believe all this or you're not sure uh, about the Bible itself, you're going to be hard-pressed to find something to disagree with in the book of Proverbs because it's just so smart. It just, it's like, yeah, you'll be reading it. They're like, yeah, that's how life is. If, if, if you live wisely, this is what happens. If you're foolish, that's kind of what happens. So it's a good place to start, and, and it will, it, honestly, it'll enrich your life. It'll bring, it'll bring value to your life, because it's so good, it's so brilliant, and so wise, even though it's so thousands of years old. It's a timeless truths. The second book, the book of Matthew, I want you to read that one, because that's the life of Jesus. And if you want to understand more about God, starting with Jesus is not a bad place to start. He came to show who God the Father was. And so the life, Matthew talks about the life, the, the, the works, the acts, and the compassion of, of Christ, um, his death and resurrection. Would you do that? Would you, you guys up for that? I would take five, ten, maybe if you reflect, which I, I suggest, 15 minutes a day, just to read through those and say, Lord, what, what, is this, what does this say? What does this mean? What should I do about it? See, that's where it gets good. What should I do about it in light of the fact, Lord, Lord, I come to this, I come to Proverbs and I come to Matthew confident that you can speak through these, that you want to speak through these, and I'm listening. Let me say a prayer for us. Father, thanks for preserving 
these books. Thanks for, for the wisdom that's in them. Thanks for, um, thanks for coming after us. Thanks for, yes, being the almighty God of the universe who's worthy of all our praise. And honestly, we should, we should read the Bible just to get to know you more. But Lord, thank you that you're a, a gracious and compassionate God that as we get to know you, life starts to make sense because you love us so much. I pray for us. I pray that you would help us make the time to read this text message. Father, through it, there's, there's, there's relevancy. There's, there's, uh, you're speaking. There, there's a way that you speak to us especially through it. And I pray that for all of us, that we would be able to come home and be at home with you through your word. In your name, amen.